0: Welcome to the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. I'm your host HT, joining you with my co-host the Bearheart, Michael. Happy to be here. Today we are going to talk about twin movies that ask the question: What if the quiet middle-aged widower next door was a secret super assassin and decided to destroy the Russian mafia? Today we are. <laughs> Today we.
1: <laughs> Who hasn't asked that question?
0: Today on the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast, we're talking about John Wick versus The Equalizer.
1: Or, if you go alphabetically the way that we agreed we would, the Equalizer versus John Wick.
0: So, see, you got to teach me English here because the has a T in it.
1: Yeah, but when you're organizing your DVDs and Blu-rays at home, you, you don't count the.
0: Is that like a rule you made up or is that like a grammar rule? No, I rule? think
1: that's how they do it, like in a library.
0: Okay, well, you know what? I did not go to a library school like you did. Live okay, because that messes up the whole script. Man, the entire order is in reverse now.
1: Well, I've got it in the right order.
0: Let's start with John Wick. Play the trailer, Michael.
1: I'm up, how much for the car? She's not for sale.
0: That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. It's personal. Where'd you get
1: that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. nobody? That nobody is John Wick. Michael, what is John Wick about? Ooh, John Wick. John Wick is about a accomplished assassin who got out of the game, and despite his best efforts, he's pulled back in.
0: Cool. Our second... Contender is the equalizer. Play the trailer, Michael. What's you knowin' about? It is about a guy who is a knight in shining armor in a world where knights don't exist anymore.
1: You took out the East Coast hub
0: of the Russian mafia. Cause I can keep going, brick by brick, body by body. A man with his skill. I want to know who he really is. What do you see when you look at me? It's too late to start over. The old man met his greatest adversary just when he thought that part of his life was over.
1: Michael, what is The Equalizer about? Oh, The Equalizer is about an accomplished hitman who used to work for the CIA, who, despite his best efforts, is pulled back in.
0: Both movies sound extremely exciting, Michael. Which is your favorite Keanu Reeves movie, and which is your favorite Denzel movie? I feel like it's lame to
1: bring up The Matrix all the time, but every time I question whether or not The Matrix is awesome, I go back and I watch it. And it's more awesome. It's more awesome than I remember it. And I think people forget kind of the effect that the film The Matrix had on culture and filmmaking and the types of films that we get at the box office. And uh, it's a big reason that Keanu is uh, still in our lives today. What about Denzel? Uh, Training Day. Alonzo? Same kind of thing, you know. It's like you, you think to yourself... Maybe it's not as good, you know? Maybe it's not as good as I remember it. Maybe it doesn't have the emotional impact that it had the last time I watched it or the first time I watched it. And every time I go back, it just kicks my ass.
0: An imaginary question here. Because we know that Will Smith got offered the part for Neo in The Matrix. Yeah. Do both Matrix and Training Day get better with Will Smith in it or worse?
1: They're they're worse. <laughs>
0: Uh, and do you have a favorite action
1: movie before we get into these action movies? Do I have a favorite action movie? My favorite action movie is Mad Max Fury Road. Really? Yeah. More than uh, Aliens? I love action films. Good action films, bad action films. Total Recall? Yeah, I mean, Total Recall, I feel like is defined by its science fiction, maybe more than its action. I, I wrote I wrote a quick list here of... Uh, my standout action films uh, uh
0: is true lies in there
1: it's not it's not but it sh- It could be it could be i mean my number should be my my camera and slot is reserved for terminator 2
0: oh that's a great action movie and i mean and I'd, a sci-fi
1: i'd probably put terminator 1 above true lies as well i'm a big terminator fan
0: terminator 1 above true lies i don't know if i agree with that
1: Um, But the rest of my list here, Die Hard, pretty easy to include. Uh, The Bourne Identity, which I feel like may be lost in the action film conversation these days. Uh, I
0: think uh, Bourne is one of those cases where the sequels are actually better than the original. So, like, Ultimatum, I think, is kick-ass.
1: You know, I disagree. There's something about the sparseness of of the story in The First Bourne. Uh, You know, it's just a guy, and he's trying to figure out who he is. Franca Potente has awesome chemistry with Matt Damon. And the whole farmhouse sequence with uh, Clive Owen, just man, it, it's 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 just so filled with tension.
0: But but I think it's it's more thriller than it is it is action.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about um, I, when I was putting this list together. I was I was kind of thinking about action films that are like the ones we're talking about today, centered on a single man or woman, a single person. Uh, who's just kind of like on a mission. And so in that regard, the, the Bourne Identity, I, I, I felt like fit the bill. Uh, some other ones that I listed here were uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2. Awesome. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which I feel like we, we talk about maybe every episode. The Rock, Predator. I just finished watching uh, Predator, Predator 2, Predators, and The Predator, uh, all on 4K for the first time. Uh I had never seen Predators or The Predator before. Predators
0: with uh, Adrian Brody is a sick movie. Have you seen it? I've seen it uh, last year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great. I think Adrian Brody looks great in that movie. My man, uh, Adam Driver, is about to come out in 65. And I wonder if he'll be able to pull off the Adrian Brody, you know, like the action, this dramatic, this dramatic actor that we know, if he's able to pull off the action star.
1: Let me say this here and now. Adam Driver can do anything He's a national that treasure. Adam Driver wants.
0: Adam Driver is a national treasure. I, I, have, I love him. I wish him success in every single thing that he does.
1: And, you know, I also wanted to mention a certain type of, of action film and see if you felt like it kind of, you know, fit in this conversation or not. I was watching uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, uh, Arrow, which is a boutique Blu-ray company, released a a 4K special edition. I haven't seen it in years, watched it this past weekend, and loved every minute of it. Uh, It's directed by Kevin Reynolds, who uh, did uh, Waterworld and uh, The Count of Monte Cristo with uh, Jim Caviezel and Guy Pearce. Uh, a movie that I really like. Um, but, you know, it got me thinking about these more, like, period art-directed action films. And, and so I felt like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves kind of uh, w- was maybe in a subcategory of action films with um, The Mask of Zorro, uh, with Antonio Banderas and Anthony Hopkins Ooh and Catherine Zeta-Jones.
0: Anthony Hopkins is in The Mask of Zorro?
1: Yeah, he's like... Zorro. He's the original, he's like OG Zorro, and he teaches the ways to Antonio Banderas. You've never seen The Mask of Zorro?
0: I've seen it on cable, and I guess I've not seen it closely enough to remember it so well.
1: And then the other film that I'd put in this category, and I'm sure there's a bunch of others, uh, is The Mummy, 1999. Mummy, one of the greatest films. We love, we love The Mummy. I would almost call them like swashbucklers, you know? They're, they're just a little bit more old-fashioned. And, you know, as we grow and uh, as we learn about ourselves
0: and we watch more films, th- those are really some of my favorites. I think uh, I'm surprised that you left out the Mission Impossible franchise altogether. And uh, I would say that Casino Royale... Is one of the best action movies I've ever seen.
1: You you're, you were talking about the two that I I pulled off my list just because I felt like the list was you know getting. You have a little to long. mention
0: them. The mission you know the Mission Impossible one has way more action than the first movie. There's a, there's also something about
1: them being part of like an organization you know that that doesn't necessarily fit the mold. For me, of, of the types of films that we're talking about today, you
0: are absolutely wrong about that, my friend.
1: I mean, it's it's not a hill that I'm gonna you know stand and, <laughs> and die on here today. They're just they're just a little different, and uh, you know we will talk about I'm sure Mission Impossible many times, and, and you know maybe again in this podcast. Uh, but yeah, bef- you know when I was putting this list together, I did think that uh, Casino Royale and, and Skyfall, you know particularly, uh, you know might be part of this conversation.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's get into why people are listening to this podcast today. Are you ready to pit these two action movies, John Wick and The Equalizer, against each other, Michael?
1: I have watched both films, yes.
0: Homes will be broken into by Russians. Jaws will be stabbed with sharp objects. But today, only one movie can be crowned a true Hollywood champion. In the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast.
1: The writer thinks he's so clever. Like Kevin McAllister, he's able to set up a lot of traps. I cannot believe I don't have
0: my ace up my sleeve to use right now. Even though both movies have spawned multiple sequels, I think people clearly prefer one of these movies over the other. But we actually have a proven method here to determine which movie is actually better. Are you ready, Michael? Actually, I am. We have a very simple process. Each movie will compete in several different categories. And it will be granted a point if it wins the category. In the end, whichever movie has the most total points wins this episode of the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. The other movie bites the dust. Michael and I are also each allowed the Ace Up Your Sleeve card. Michael, what is the Ace Up Your Sleeve card? The Ace Up Your Sleeve card
1: can be used once by each of us during the course of this recording. And it brings the end to the debate in any one specific category. So if you feel strongly about something, or if I feel strongly about something, or if we just can't get on the same page about a particular category, you can pull the ace up your sleeve, and you or I may give the point for that specific category to the movie of our choosing.
0: Cool. It's like a veto card in the UN. (laughs) I
1: don't think that's how the UN works, but okay.
0: Let's get into it. Category 1. Which movie won the release date? John Wick was released on October 24, 2014. The Equalizer was released on September 26, 2014. Ooh, that's close. Tell me, Michael, which movie's character became a widower first? It
1: sounds, it sounds like uh, Robert McCall, Denzel Washington of The Equalizer got to the movies before Jonathan Wick. All right, put it on the board,
0: Michael. Category 2. Which movie won the box office? John Wick, whose budget was between 20 to $30 million, I could not find an exact number, it grossed $86 million worldwide. The Equalizer, whose budget was $55 million, grossed $192.3 million worldwide. What? Both movies have spawned multiple sequels. Between The Equalizer and John Wick, a clear box office winner. Say it out loud, Michael. The Equalizer. I'm frankly surprised. I thought John Wick, uh, you know, I think it, it's such a behemoth at this point that I'm surprised that it started out with such a low count.
1: You know, I, I didn't do too much like research about the business side of you know, the releases of these films, but these numbers, if, if they say anything, they say, don't doubt Denzel. And don't doubt that people are going to go see a movie when Denzel is in it. I mean, I went to see that movie, something Israel Esquire. Yeah, Roman Israel. Roman J. Israel Esquire. I, I went to see that movie in theaters, you know, because... Denzel sells tickets.
0: Denzel, Denzel puts, puts us in the seats. Put it on the board, Michael. Category three. Which movie has the better title? What do you think, Michael? Well, you know, I feel like I feel like we should talk this out. I, I don't know that I had a
1: strong feeling one way or the other. John Wick is is just the the name of a character. It's a great name for a character, but you know, that's not a not a huge brainstorming session went into went into that effort. Uh, the Equalizer. You know, I, I, uh, I had actually never seen The Equalizer before sitting down to watch it for this pod. And I guess I was looking for why it's called The Equalizer
0: throughout. Yeah, there, there's no mention of why there's any equalization going on. He's not a mathematics professor. He's uh, not like any type of like social activist. Math equal. <laughs> That joke landed a little They're late. really good. It really got me. At the time that these movies were released, we had no history with John Wick,
1: right? You know, it's, it's hard to think about the American
0: cinema tapestry without John Wick. Present day. But in 2014, you had no history with John Wick. So if you're a movie goer in 2014, yeah, you have John Wick on the poster. You have the equalizer on the poster. And I know we don't really consider posters, but if you just, if you just look at those words by themselves... I think Equalizer sounds like a better action movie than John Wick.
1: You know, H, you and I, we find a lot of things to disagree about when we're recording these podcasts. But you bring clarity to this category. Just week after week, you are totally right. You are totally right that in a world where I do not know who John Wick is, even though I can appreciate a good character name, the Equalizer sounds like a movie. You know, it sounds more like... Uh, an action film.
0: There you go. Let's put it on the board. Do you have a favorite of the John Wicks? The three that have come out so far? There were a
1: lot of things that I thought were a part of John Wick 1 that are a part of John Wick 2. There were things that I I thought kind of, you know, they become signature elements of, of the films, I guess, starting in two, like... When he goes to the tailor, I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers, and he gets like outfitted with, with a bunch of weapons. I, I thought that that was something that was started in John Wick 1, but apparently that that starts in John Wick 2. And when I think about John Wick, the scene amongst all three films that, that sticks out to me is the shootout with Common in, I think it's like a, a subway station. It might be the Oculus Station in New York, yeah. where they're surrounded by people but they are, are using silencers so that you just hear like, thoop, 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 and nobody else knows that these guys are shooting at each other, even though the, the room is very crowded. So here today, I think I'd, I'd say that John Wick 2 is probably my favorite of, of the trilogy that's been released so far. Uh, I did see a trailer today for uh, John Wick 4, and the trailer got me really excited. I, I normally don't, seek out trailers this one like started as a youtube you know automatic video started playing and uh ian mcshane has a line in the trailer where he says like i just want you to have fun out there and it just it really cracked me up
0: yeah um between the in the trilogy i love three the most uh that's the last one i saw in the theater it has some great fight scenes but obviously they're only great because of the groundwork that one and two have done and you're right when watching two, you you think that you saw all these things in one, but they're actually introduced in two.
1: It's been a while since I've seen John Wick two or John Wick three, and uh, and I, I mean to now. I plan to after really really enjoying this rewatch of John Wick one. This movie is it's just so smart and tight. It's ninety six minutes, and you know you're saying lays the groundwork, but it, it's made in a way that it totally stands on its own. It gives us enough of, of the, like, background and the mythology of, of uh, this hitman culture, this assassin culture, right? We get the Continental with the, the concierge and, and the room service and uh, Ian McShane running the club in the basement and the golden coins, you know. It, they give us enough so that we know what's going on. But it doesn't get lost in the ceremony of it and the like bureaucracy of it. <laughs> it sounds like there are still things in the world you and I will disagree on because I think I think by the time we get to uh, John Wick Chapter Three, it loses a lot of its momentum because it, it the, the story gets overly encumbered by explaining where the coins come from and who's in charge and who's at the head table and why are they there and we're in the desert and we're at an outdoor rave amongst Roman ruins and I really, really appreciated how streamlined and efficient john wick was on on this rewatch
0: yeah i really hope john wick gets to like the fast and furious status where like john wick 9 is in space that'd be fun
1: i understand that the john wick 4 coming out is almost three hours long two hours and 49 minutes i think is what i heard and to me it's got to be the end of it it's got
0: because don't do this to me guys don't do this to me let's dive deeper category four which movie has the better leading actor Both movies star iconic actors of the American film industry. Keanu Reeves' filmography includes Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Point Break, Speed, The Matrix Trilogy, The Devil's Advocate, The Replacements, Sweet November, Johnny Mnemonic, Hardball, A Scanner Darkly, the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still. At the time John Wick was released... He was kind of irrelevant with no major hits in recent years. The most noticeable one around 2014 was 47 Ronin. Have you seen that one? I have not. So what do you think of Keanu Reeves' filmography? And where was he culturally in 2014? And then finally, what do you think about him as John Wick in John Wick?
1: you were right to say that he was on kind of a cold streak here. Looking at his filmography, we have John Wick. In 2014. And then going back, Constantine is is like. People love Constantine.
0: People love Constantine. I think there's like a TV show or something about to. I think they're going to do, they were going to
1: make a a sequel. (laughs) He's in Something's Gotta Give, which uh, he's actually uh, charming in that movie. That's a a Nancy Myers movie, I think. Uh, (laughs) um, But, you know, going back, I love The Replacements. Uh, I think that's a super entertaining movie, and I I think Keanu is really great in it. I don't imagine that that was like a big success. So, I mean, it really looks like in terms of his performance and uh, like a successful screenplay meeting to create a blockbuster smash, you got to go back to 1999 and The Matrix. The Matrix reloaded and revolutions were big movies, right? You can say that he had his cultural relevance through The Matrix Reloaded, which came out in, in 2003. But there's a pretty steep drop-off in terms of the, maybe the quality of, of, of the films that come between that and John Wick. Sure. And uh, what do you think of him as Wick in John Wick? Stunning. Stunning. There's a lot for him to do. I saw a, a scene on Reddit the other day. I don't know what film it was from, but part of his performance in the scene is like he has to sneeze and it's super awkward, you know, and the title of the post was like, look at Keanu and, and how bad an actor he is. But if if you don't give an actor something to do, if you don't give them something interesting to do or, or good dialogue, you know, you can't polish a turd. There's always something for him to do in John Wick, even if it's tropey and he's watching like the video of his Bridget Monaghan wife on, on his phone it's still something for him to, like, engage with emotionally. So I, I think it, it can be equally awkward to, like, watch somebody just kind of fall apart and cry on screen. But he, he he manages that in a believable way. And I think the other extreme of his performance comes when he is tied up. Um, he's tied up and, you know, Vigo, he's got one of his many opportunities to put a bullet in his head and he doesn't. And John Wick says... Uh, you know, people have been asking, you know, if I'm back, and I haven't had an answer. Well, I'm back. The dialogue is actually a little clunky there, but, you know, his performance sells it. And the thing I had in my head while watching both of these films is something that you've talked about before, something that we both appreciate the, that, that Shay Serrano coined uh, on a rewatchables is fight confidence. And who looks more confident while fighting than Keanu, whether he's unarmed or he's pulling a little gun out out of his waistband. He just looks comfortable and competent when he's engaged in in these fight scenes. It's a 100% believable performance from beginning to end.
0: The other thing I love about Wick, which the filmmakers are able to do, but also that Keanu is able to do, is that not only is he this badass hitman assassin person, but... He's vulnerable. He takes hits. He falls. I mean, it gets ridiculous by the time John Wick 3 comes out. But in John Wick 1, this guy, I mean, that's what makes the movie interesting. You have to be able to believe that your hero can die. And this movie is able to sell that idea while still showing some kick-ass action. I think the John Wick character, he shows wear and tear in a way that still feels
1: fresh. You know, so this this film is nine years old, and it still felt almost unusual to to be watching a character who is struggling with the injuries that he's received. And you know, by the end of the movie, I mean he's he's barely standing.
0: Yeah, and uh, two picks up right there, which is which was a great choice by the filmmakers.
1: I'm so excited to like go home and watch uh, John
0: Wick two. Two-time Academy Award winner Denzel Washington. Woo! whose son you have a problem with. We were talking about nepotism earlier. I don't
1: have a problem with you John have, David Washington. You have
0: been vocal in a lot of our chats about how much you dislike John David Washington. We've specifically
1: been talking about John David Washington in Tenet.
0: Yeah, and he's great in it, and you disagree with me, and you're wrong. It's I okay to be disagree. wrong.
1: I have yet to see a great John David Washington performance. I'm not going to count him out. I like Black Klansmen a lot. I think he's good in it. There's a scene in Tenet where he's sitting across from Michael Caine, and it's like watching a mismatch in boxing. John David Washington is just getting slugged right off the screen.
0: John David Washington is too cool for school, man. In that movie, he can run. He can. I, I love the scene when he beats the thugs in the kitchen. I love the scene, the opening scene when he's running in the opera theater. He's just, he's just great in Tenet, and you know what? We just disagree on that. I'm
1: glad that we don't have to hash this out because he's not in The Equalizer.
0: Denzel has done these movies over his career. And this is, let me know when you get tired of listening to this list. License to Kill, Glory, Mo' Better Blues, Malcolm X, an Oscar stolen from him. The Pelican Brief, Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. Crimson Tide, Courage Under Fire. He Got Game, The Siege, The Bone Collector, The Hurricane, Remember the Titans, and Training Day. I love Training Day. We got John Q. We got Antoine Fisher. We got Out of Time. Oh, you're just reading the whole list. Well... These movies are worth mentioning. We got Man on Fire. We got The Manchurian Candidate. We got Inside Man. We got Deja Vu. Right, I'm not sure all these films are worth mentioning. <laughs> we got American Gangster. All right, I,
1: let, me, let me look at the rest of the list. And let me do a little bit of cherry picking, okay? Uh,
0: Book of Eli. We got to mention Book of Eli. I know I love that movie. I think you hate that movie. All right, can I take over now? Yes. All right, Flight is good. I love him in Flight. Fences is good. What about Taking of Panem 1 to 3? Not a huge fan. Unstoppable? Oh, Tarantino yeah. is a huge fan of Unstoppable. I like Unstoppable.
1: I didn't see The Tragedy of Macbeth. Did you?
0: I have not watched it, unfortunately.
1: I would like to. This, this is a little different because, you know, we, we have long relationships with, with both of these actors, you know, with Keanu and with Denzel. What are the top two or three for you?
0: Of this list?
1: Yeah, of Denzel performances. Oh,
0: I mean, Training Day is number one. I love him in American Gangster. I love him in Manchurian Candidate. I love him in Inside Man. I love him in Man on Fire. I mean, this, there's so many. It's too many to pick from. Philadelphia, Malcolm X. So which, which ones did he win the Oscar for? Philadelphia and...
1: Glory. Oh, he won Best Supporting for Glory.
0: Yeah. Oh, and he did not win for Philadelphia. He might have been nominated, but he won for... Oh, Tom Hanks
1: won for Philadelphia. Yeah.
0: He won for um, Training Day. That's fair. Yeah, he deserved it. But yeah, that's a, that's a loaded filmography. Right before Equalizer was released, Denzel was in Safe House, Flight, and Two Guns. So between Keanu Reeves as John Wake and Denzel Washington as Bob McCall, who is the better leading man, Michael? I'm really trying to focus
1: on the, the individual performances versus kind of how I feel about the character and the writing, um, you know, and the film overall.
0: Oh, you're actually thinking about the acting
1: chops. I'm trying to focus specifically on that, oh, you know? I mean,
0: dude, I, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of it like that at all. I was thinking of it as a leading man in the role.
1: I don't exactly know the difference between the two things that you've described.
0: All right. All right. So uh, why don't you tell me what you're thinking in terms of the acting chops?
1: Why don't you tell me what you're thinking?
0: For me, it was simple. Wick, man. This, this is an action movie, right? So when you're watching Denzel fight in the action movie, it's like the Liam Neeson in Taken thing. They're just cutting around all the body movements.
1: He doesn't have the fight confidence. That is true.
0: Or or the wide shot that shows all of the movement. It's all chop, 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 cut around. Very true. You know, the choreography is just not there. And I'm sure they're using stunt doubles for all of the stuff that he's doing. And they just don't have it. And in the movie, you can see when the choreography is properly done by the actor, it's amazing because there's that scene in this movie where Nikolai, the bad guy, beats up little John in his office. And that scene is one of probably the best action scene in this movie. Because you can see them fight. Because you can see them fight in the wide. Therefore, because Denzel cannot fight... You know, Reeves is definitely better as a leading man of the action movie that we're talking about.
1: I'm not disagreeing with you, but, but I have a, a, a little bit of a road of thought here to go down. Maybe you join me, okay? Is The Equalizer better with Denzel over an, a replacement actor?
0: What if we have someone like like an older Channing Tatum in there? Or no, if you have to keep it to alter Channing Tatum. Well, because you yeah, know, I'm thinking of like who, who, I don't know. That, who, who, I don't who, know that
1: Channing Tatum's that young anymore.
0: Who like like a like a Gerard Butler? I think a Gerard Butler could do the equalizer.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't think the role requires the acting chops of Denzel.
1: Okay, yeah, right. Fair.
0: He's a great testman. He's a great actor. Would love to watch him do theater. Would love to watch him in a like a dramatic role. But for this role. You could get away with Gerard Butler.
1: So then the second question is, is there someone who'd be better in The Equalizer than
0: Denzel? I mean, you could basically replace him with uh, like a Gerard Butler, maybe a Tom Hanks. <laughs> a Tom Hanks, yeah. <laughs> no, has Tom Hanks ever done an action movie?
1: I don't think, oh, Saving Private Ryan.
0: Uh, You'll call that like a war movie, right? Yeah, he's pretty nimble. Oh, is uh, what about, uh, who else is an action star? Chris Pratt. No, like older. Let's let's talk about a little bit older, right? A little bit older? Liam Neeson? Could Liam Neeson be the equalizer? I mean, this could have been
1: any, you know, this could have been made with Liam Neeson in between any of the other movies just like this movie that he's made.
0: Is there another black actor that could do this character? Maybe Idris Elba? Or is he too young? Sam Jackson. Sa- oh, man. Oh, I would love to see Sam Jackson. Is this
1: movie better with Sam Jackson? Any it? movie's better with Sam Jackson. That might be true.
0: Sam Jackson is the equalizer.
1: I I rewatched Pulp Fiction just a couple weeks ago, and his performance as Jules might be, like, the greatest film performance ever.
0: He's, like, a Morgan Freeman stature right now. Like, you can put him in any movie, and he's just fun to watch.
1: Unanimous. Like, unanimous approval. A beloved American icon. Denzel also has, I think, unanimous approval.
0: Yeah, he has unanimous uh, approval, but he's also, like in terms of acting chops, just leagues above the rest. Whereas uh, I think, uh, like, like a Brad Pitt. Oh, uh, well, know? okay,
1: I don't, okay, I'm, I'm not going to say, I, I can't go along with Denzel's, like, leagues above Sam Jackson.
0: Would, would Denzel w- make getting... a better
1: Jules? No, 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 nobody would make a better, nobody would make a better Jules. Anyway, so, you know, I think the fact that Denzel's skills aren't necessary in a film like this does Denzel elevate the equalizer? the answer to that question is yes, but not as much as 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 he could if if he kind of had more to do if if the you know script was a little bit different, and even that there that the answer to the question could somebody else you know be in the equalizer and make it a better film because that answer could be yes, you know I feel like I have to agree with you and go back to John Wick. Because I I, I feel like I can't see anybody else as being as successful in the role of John Wick as uh, Keanu Reeves.
0: Keanu is one of the great action stars of America, and he does it once again in the John Wick franchise. So point Keanu Reeves. Category 5. Which movie has the best rest of the cast, meaning everyone except the lead actors? John Wick has Michael Nyquist, Alfie... Alan, William Dafoe, I love William Dafoe, the Allstate guy, Dean Winters.
1: <laughs> mayhem, I, I was like, I was like, who is he? Is he, he's chaos? No, he's mayhem. I love, I love
0: that ad campaign.
1: Allstate, can you sponsor our podcast? He even does one of the like mayhem laughs right before he gets run over. Oh, does he? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I did not catch that. I'll have to catch it on the rewatch. Adrian Poliki. Uh, Bridget Ma- Bridget Monahan. Who is Adrian Palicki? I think she was the one who played Miss uh, Pepper, uh, Pepper. What's her name? Miss She's the dark-haired assassin woman. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. I I only write down names that I am somewhat familiar with.
0: I think Bridget Monahan is extremely pretty. Uh, I mean, she's
1: barely in this movie.
0: Lance Reddick. We love Re- Lance Reddick. We got Ian McShane. He's uh, just as much synonymous with John Wick as Keanu Reeves is. And then I love John Leguzamo in any movie that he is. Leguizamo. Leguizamo. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, John. Just smooth it out. I love you, Leguizamo. My favorite character. Uh, I love Sid from Ice Age. I think he plays that. Luigi. Luigi. From Super Mario Brothers. From Super Mario Brothers. So that's the cast. What do you think of that cast? It's a great cast. I, I totally forgot
1: how many great people are in this movie and people who we may not have even kind of known them by name when this came out in 2014. Ian McShane. John Wick is the second thing that I think about when I think of Ian McShane, the first being Deadwood. One of my all-time favorite TV shows is his performance as as Al Swearengen is unmissable if you haven't seen it. Alfie Allen, who I think is really, really good in this movie as uh, the heel, as the son.
0: Yeah, and he was a... Uh... At this time, very big in Game of Thrones.
1: Game of Thrones, you know? So, And we got to know him better over the next few years. You know, Willem Dafoe, again, another actor who's just... An American icon. You know, been in our lives forever. Shadow the Vampire, Spider-Man. Platoon. I love him, Platoon. John Leguizamo, like I said, you know, super doesn't get better than uh, Super Mario Brothers. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, I was happy to see him in the menu uh, recently, which, which I really like. Lance Reddick, I'm a big Lost fan.
0: I, th- I think he's the third person in the Wick series that you remember after Wick and Ian McShane.
1: His whole look and presence is so unique as an actor. So, yeah, you know, you're watching John Wick and it's like the hits keep coming. You just... Faces you recognize, and and it's awesome to get a guy like Ian McShane. And he's in the film for, like, what, six minutes? And he's just unforgettable.
0: Were you familiar with Michael Nyquist before this movie?
1: I know that I've seen him in other things, but no.
0: So I'd never known about him, but when the girl with the dragon tattoo was a thing, he's the guy who it plays, like, the reporter in the girl with the dragon tattoo Swedish movies.
1: Oh, and he's the bad guy in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Yeah. He's the one he jumps off
0: the uh, car, the automated, the, the vending machine parking garage. Yeah. So Nyquist, I knew him from A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I immediately fell in love with him as an actor. And uh, it was just pleasant to see him in the John Wick movies.
1: Man, he's in a, he's in a hundred movies. He's in a ton of stuff.
0: Swedish. Swedish actor. If you ever get a chance, check out the Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies. He's amazing in it. Uh, actually, personally, uh, you know, I know everybody loves Fincher. I actually like the Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies way more than I like the American Girl with the Tra- Dragon Tattoo movies. I mean, movie. I
1: don't think that that is a controversial opinion.
0: The Equalizer features Martin Sokas as a bad guy. He did a great job, I thought. I, w- I was totally enamored by... Is it? Does it what does enamored mean? Not in love with, right?
1: No, enamored means in love with, uh, yeah. what's
0: what's a, What am what I trying to say? Like a fan of? I don't know, man. I was totally a fan of <laughs> <laughs> Martin Sokas <laughs> as the bad guy in uh, in The Equalizer. I have loved Chloe Grace Moretz since I saw her in Kick-Ass, which is a favorite movie of mine.
1: Yeah, I know you're a big Kick-Ass fan.
0: David Harbour. Everybody loves David Harbour. The now gen- they do. Nobody knew who he was in 2014. That's, that's what... Makes watching these old movies great when you like recognize all these people. It was fun to see him. The Jennifer Lawrence lookalike Haley Bennett, wasn't it? Uh, we got Independence Day President Bill Pullman and Academy Award winner Melissa well, Leo. Leo. What do you think of that cast? There's
1: a lot of faces in in, in this film that I don't recognize. Oh, J- Johnny Scaritis
0: was uh, the the Latino friend,
1: which kind of leads me to my next point, which is. There are parts with some substance that could have been improved with a um, a male or female actor uh, of greater talent. Ralphie's got a lot of lines. He's got a lot of screen time. And yeah, he's, but, you know, what? you got to give fresh people a chance too, man. Yeah, but they should be good actors too. You didn't think he was good? I thought he was fine. I thought he, you know, I, I think there's a lot of... Fine actors in The Equalizer. It is not the same experience that I had watching John Wick, where every few minutes I'm 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 seeing somebody who's really holding their own on screen.
0: By the way, Tate Fletcher, who is the big guy with the bald head, big beard, and the pointy mustache, uh, he's part of the Russian mafia in both movies. He's actually in both. Oh, movies. yeah,
1: I mean in terms of discussing twin movies uh the russian mobsters in uh john wick and the equalizer look a lot alike there's a lot of similarities
0: there There, there, i noticed two cast members that are in both movies oh wow there was tate fletcher who i just described is the big bald guy uh with a pointy mustache and uh he gets into hand-to-hand combat with both john wick and the equalizer so he's featured in both movies and then there's this bald guy who has no facial hair older guy who's also in both movies. So that was kind oh, of okay, interesting yeah. to
1: watch. I know who you're talking about. So you said that you liked Martin Sokas. I thought that he looked way too much like Mr. Bean. Oh, you to, think so? To be a credible villain. I so, liked him. Uh, I got to go with the cast of uh, of John Wick here.
0: I agree with you for different reasons. I think Sokas is great, by the way, in The Equalizer. But I think Nyquist is better in John Wick. And also each person in John Wick is kind of properly highlighted. They have stuff to do you know? That is true. And as we mentioned earlier, you remember these people as two and three come out. You, you, They're they're memorable.
1: That's true. We have longer relationships with them. I do like Chloe Grace Moretz a lot. I think this is probably one of her earlier films.
0: It was actually because I had a relationship watching her in uh, Kick-Ass as like a child. It was kind of really weird watching her as like a, a, a woman of the night. I you mean, know? That's, I think she's
1: too young yeah. for this film. It's very uncomfortable to watch her in this role. Her, her wigs and her wardrobe are, are really kind of insane.
0: I felt the same discomfort watching Natalie Portman in uh, the prof- Leon the Professional. Well, don't ever watch the extended
1: international version then.
0: Oh, really? Oh.
1: <laughs> it really, you know, I remember being in high school, the professional was on AMC and I just I stayed up all night to watch f- to watch it. I just couldn't like break away from it, and it was a a, a favorite for a long time.
0: It's a great movie, a, Gary, a great action movie. Gary
1: Oldman in I love Gary Oldman. That movie is
0: totally insane. What's that dialogue when he yells? What's what does he say in that movie when he yells? I mean, he yells a lot. Uh, he he gives the command to like go kill the professional
1: oh, when he says like bring everyone, and they're like. They're like, who do you want us to call? And he's like, everyone. That's it. it. I love that moment. It's a performance. It sucks so much to find out, like, how inappropriate and pervy Luke Besson is. And that's one of those things where, like, the more you learn about the artist, you just, like, can't even appreciate the art anymore. So R.A.P., my appreciation of the professional from uh, high school to uh, the day I watched the uh, international cut of the of, of the professional which will make you far more uncomfortable than the uh, uh the american theatrical cut
0: oh man i mean i love the fifth element Besson on that one too right
1: fifth element is great
0: oh man hmm. what
1: were we talking about
0: the best rest of the cast goes to john wick put it on the board let's get to the next category category six best best scene in this category michael and i Agree on the scene we think is the best scene in each movie. And then we decide which movie has the best, best scene of the ones that we pick. So let's talk about best scene in John Wick. In John Wick, I have the first gunfu fight in John Wick's home when a bunch of gunmen show up at his house. What do you think of that scene? It's a great scene. And it introduces us
1: not not just to the style of fighting, the way that he's handling the firearms, the way that he holds a gun like right up to somebody's head before he pulls the trigger. Again, this movie is nine years old, and I haven't seen another movie that has action that just feels so fresh and nimble like this. It also introduces us, this might include like uh, the next scene or so as well, but it introduces us to the tone Uh, of of the film and the tone of the action that we're going to see where Jimmy the cop shows up at the door and nobody has to say right the the filmmakers they don't need a character to say that the rules of the world that John Wick lives in are foreign to you that this cop he has some relationship with him so that the fact that there's a dead body in his house is not ringing alarm bells. We also, and I didn't understand this until I until I watched it last night. John Wick, he picks up the phone and he's like, "I need a, I need to make a reservation for 12. And I think I've always thought like he was making a reservation at the hotel that he goes to later. But no, he he's making a reservation f- to have twelve bodies picked up. So we get an idea that there's this whole kind of systemic apparatus, right, for for hitmen that you and I, as as non-hitmen, are are not
0: privy to. And that that was the first hint of the larger world, right? Right. So great scene. One thing I want to mention about this scene also is that you know we have so much history with John Wick right now, but when we watched this for the first time, it was like watching a beautiful performance for the first time.
1: And that's the first time you really see him like start to kick
0: ass, right? Yeah, this is the first proper action scene in the movie. Also, within the scene there's progression. The gunfu doesn't start immediately. There's some, you know, some wrestling in the beginning and then it it goes to a gunfight and then it goes to gunfu. And then it goes to how throughout all of these movies, when he's tangled up with the first guy he's fighting, He's shooting all the other guys, and the last guy he takes out with the gun is the guy he's been fighting physically the whole time, and that's like a hallmark of the John Wick movies. The person he's tangled up with goes out last before all the others in the room.
1: And we also get just a hint of the very personal kind of violence that we get tastes of. The climactic death of that sequence is is knife-based, and I mean... Oh, that was intense. It feels very personal.
0: Yeah, I did not think the Saving Private Ryan knife scene could be rivaled and i i still think the saving private ryan scene is better yeah well there's, there's this this there's one more, is
1: there's more room for performance in that scene
0: yeah but this scene is uh just as memorable for john week i also have the red circle club gunfu fight scene it's also on my list so those are two scenes i have Do you want to mention anything about the red circle i really like when he gets thrown off the balcony yeah love that I also,
1: I don't know if it's in that scene or another scene, but I wanted to mention a moment when he runs out of bullets. He has shot a henchman and he is out of bullets. So he kicks the the mag in his gun, puts another mag in, and, you know, finishes this guy off. The shot never cuts, you know? So it's just, again, just a kind of
0: original and fresh depiction of film gunplay there are so many great moments in this fight at one point john is hiding from a guy coming down the hallway but then he looks around on the other other end of the pillar to shoot him yeah it's like it's like i love smart things like that in combat and then one of the best things about this scene is that our hero is trying to go towards his goal, but he's stopped constantly? And you mentioned that he falls off the balcony, and then his his thrown target, off the balcony. thrown off the balcony, and his target gets away. And that matchup happens later on with that bad guy. So it's just really smart. Uh, do you have any other nominees
1: for scenes? I came in with the red circle fight scene being, being my favorite scene from the movie. but my, now,
0: my, Mine's the other one, the first one I made. But mentioned. now that
1: we talked about it, I, I agree with you. It's, it's that opening scene. And the, I mean, there are other great scenes. Uh, the, the stuff that goes down in the church is really cool. I mean, the church is kind of a scene-stealing location. I always wonder, how do you get permission to shoot in a space like that?
0: When you have money, you could do it. And I guess th- so. But this was a $30 million movie, and it was, you know, the studios were not running to fund it.
1: Man, it looks great. It yeah. looks great for that that level of budget. Even the warehouse car chase scene, they just... Really smart. Really smart location choices. I mean, didn't even mention, like, the Continental as a really impressive location.
0: Yeah, I, I think the spirit of the best scene, which we established in the first episode, was which scene do you show to people to say, hey, go watch this movie?
1: No, I'm with you. It's the invasion of assassins at at John Wick's house.
0: Great scene. All right, so that's the best scene from John Wick that we have picked. Let's get to the Equalizer. I have for the Equalizer the climactic battle at the Home Improvement Store. Any others? Uh, And the other one I wrote down is Nikolai beats little John in his office.
1: I feel like the climactic battle at the Home Mart store is kind of indicative of the confused tone for this film. I take notes as I... Watch these films to prepare for the podcast. And the note that I wrote at the beginning of, um, I was probably a few minutes into the Home Mart fight sequence, is uh, I wrote Home Alone Mart. Yeah. Because you just, you have this series of killings that involve laying traps, finding things around the, the store to use against uh, the Russian henchmen who showed up. He creates a noose. Uh, out of barbed wire, which is uh, triggered by like a counterweight of concrete bags. And then then I think the next guy gets like a tree branch trimmer right to the neck on its own, you know, as in an action film, like that sounds fun and engaging, but it, it didn't feel like it was coming from the world that we've been introduced, which seems to mostly attempt to be realistic.
0: Yeah. To the the point you said, uh, this is not your favorite scene in the movie, yeah?
1: No. Should I just tell you my favorite scene? Sure. My favorite scene is the first time that Robert goes to the Russians. In their office? Yes.
0: And the the action that happens there.
1: Actually, I I like the scene right up until the action starts. The action's fine.
0: Oh, like the dialogue and all that. I
1: really like the opportunity that we get to understand who, who Robert is. I feel like the film eventually betrays the promise that it presents in the beginning of the equalizer the photography at the beginning which we'll talk about in a little bit it's beautiful it it, it shows boston in a, a really nice light and we meet robert who keeps a very tidy home and seems to be like borderline obsessive compulsive about certain things he he has like one plate and one glass and he times how long it takes to brush his teeth or wash the dishes and not having seen the equalizer I was like oh that this is like a hero or an action hero that I don't know that I've I've seen before and was interesting to me and we get away from that pretty quick but that scene where he approaches the Russians for the first time right and he lays an envelope on the table feels true to the character that I was getting to know You know, and eventually he says something to the effect of, I gave you a chance to do the right thing, and you should have done that. I really like that notion, right? I'll stay out of this. You know, I'll give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you every opportunity to not be a villain here, to not be a bad guy. But when you choose to be a bad guy, then you will face the repercussions. So, you know, that moment when he rearranges the skulls, on the table, kind of like the way that he rearranges the utensils on the, on the table at the diner, or he's arranging the skulls on the desk of, of the Russian guy. It just, it felt very true to the character. It felt somewhat original and it got my hopes up that this was going to be a better film than it is.
0: So uh, you're going to pick that scene? I'm okay with that because I like that scene a lot as well. And we can tack on the actual action that happens so it's a proper action movie scene. Sure. I disliked in this movie that they were trying to do the thing that Guy Ritchie had already done. This is in, a
1: huge problem with this movie. Please continue.
0: Because they're not consistent with it. So if you're going to you know, take this thing from Sherlock Holmes' movie by Guy Ritchie, which is the protagonist is able to see his moves further ahead and you know figure out exactly what he's going to do, do it consistently throughout the movie. They do it in this one scene. The next time he attacks a person... they don't show this thing. The third time when they show this thing, he doesn't actually attack the person because he sees like a kid in the background. Right. And then I think they show it one more time. So they're totally all over the place with the utilization of this supposed power that he has. Plus they haven't hinted at all towards this power up until the first time that it's shown. I wish they had just an inkling of it somewhere in the beginning of the movie, so we knew to expect it when we see it for the first time. It's not just that, but it's also that you're, you're calling it a power.
1: It's a, it's like a skill, you know? or It's a visualization of a skill that he has. But it does not emanate from what we know about his character, right? So the reason it makes sense in Sherlock Holmes is because we know Sherlock Holmes is like a a genius analytical thinker who who notices all the details, right? So we, in those moments, experience the way that he sees the world in a more visually affecting way than the process unfolds in, in The Equalizer. You know, we see this poor man's attempt at the guy richie style in this scene later in the film we see a poor man's attempt at tony scott scene transitions with like burn-in effects and like you know intense colors and blown out highlights and if you give me a second there's like oh the scene that takes place in the home Mart store doug lyman does a better version of of this in mr and mrs smith it's like a home furnishing store right not exactly like a home improvement store.
0: I don't, I'm not familiar with the thing in that movie, so please... It's just, you know, maybe it's an f-
1: effective scene that utilizes its surroundings, and everything that the characters are doing feels organic based on what we know about the characters. That is not true when it comes to The Equalizer.
0: In The Equalizer also, he does all the camera, you know, place all the cameras in his home. They never show, like, the home alone version of, like, how Kevin McAllister sets the traps. Or in the home improvement store at the end. So like, if you're going to show me the skill of this person, just do a better job explaining this to me, how he does it, or or make more of a moment out of it, than just kind of surprising me with it.
1: So we're, we're, we're dumping on the equalizer. I did want to mention one scene that I actually really like. I like the scene when Nikolai visits Robert's home for the first time.
0: Oh yeah, I really like that scene. You know, he
1: oh, that's actually, you know what? This is probably my favorite scene. It's not flashy though.
0: I thought we were going to pick like action type of scene, which is why both my nominees were action yeah. scenes. But yeah, those uh, those those scenes are really good. Tell me why. Robert,
1: he knows something's wrong right away because what we do know about his character, what is true about his character is he understands motivations. Like he he sees through what people are doing and he knows when something's fishy the same way that he picks out the assassin who shows up in the the diner later right he says like you know if you were an electrician your your hands wouldn't look like that I don't think that that was quite as effective but when he says to Nikolai uh, who Nikolai is pretending to be a a, a law enforcement official who, who's knocked on Robert's door he's like oh you know were you at this restaurant and he's just like yeah well you wouldn't be here unless uh you knew I was there and he's like you know and you're like oh smart yeah and then when he leaves and he's like uh, aren't you going to give me your business card? Because that's what police officers do. And you're like, damn, that is what police officers do. I want that Robert McCall. I want the Robert McCall who's going to be a step ahead of me as the viewer, you know, because we he's want, We smarter. want, like, the
0: Jason Bourne version of Robert McCall. It's just, you know, again, because he can't
1: fight like Jason Bourne. So we need the guy who's going to outsmart us. But more often than not in this movie, he succeeds through force there's that scene where he goes to the, the warehouse where there's a ton of money and he's in a room with seven or eight guys who have automatic weapons he disarms a gentleman of one <laughs> gentleman he disarms a henchman of one pistol and suddenly he's in control of the whole scene it just doesn't pass the sniff test
0: yeah unbelievable but i think you and i are both gonna go gunfu here john wick john wick gets a best best scene Category seven, best title drop. This is the category where the movie's name is stated in a scene. This is a simple one. The Equalizer never does it. Never. John Wick does it, and it does it in a great way. Uh, the name John Wick is said many times, but it also with weight. Uh, and also,
1: doesn't the name come up on screen in text? I don't, I does don't it know. say like John? You know how like when oh, the like Russians w- when they're
0: talking and translating? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I didn't catch it, but I think it does. In my memory, it does. Uh, are you sure you're not mixing up second and third? <laughs> but, <laughs> no, uh, I'm not sure. I remember uh, hearing it first when John Leguizamo tells Vigo, because your son stole John Wick's car, sir, and killed his dog. That's uh, the first I time. I thought you went. were
1: going to have a problem with it because... It's in dialogue as opposed to stated ad hoc. Well, that, that it's in name, you know, that it's not like, welcome to the rock.
0: I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because uh, I think they do it with enough weight To warrant it as a title drop. All right. As opposed to just something said out loud. So point John Wick. Point John Wick. John Wick on a hot streak. Category eight. Best music moment slash needle drop. I think both of these movies do some great needle drops.
1: Oh, you think so? I thought both were sort of lacking in the music and score.
0: Well, in composition, you mean. But in terms of, like, pop songs... Tell me what you got. All right, so John Wick, I thought, had some really good music, especially with the fight scenes. Music is by Tyler Bates and Joel J. Richard. And I thought there were, like, multiple needle drops. They might not be pop songs, but they might be songs by these artists, and they kind of kick off during each fight scene, and they pump up each fight scene, and they complement each fight scene. What do you think about the music in John Wick?
1: I almost want to take away... A point like a negative a negative point for John Wick for the use of this the Marilyn Manson song killing strangers it appears two or three times and I actually revisited the song by itself today and it didn't irritate me to the degree that it did in the film so to me that that was just like a song of note in the film and and I I thought it did not work on the other hand uh, a song that I do think worked was the song that becomes the background for the entire Red Circle fight. I think for the entire fight until they get to like the dance club area. And I had to look it up. That song is called uh, Think by Khalida. Not not a major hit, I don't think, on, on the Billboard chart or anything. But it's kind of electronic. It's actually kind of slow and melodic. It seems like it might be a mismatch for an intense action Scene, But it works as background for the lead-up to the violence, and then it's a pleasant partner to the scene.
0: That's one thing I like about the music in this movie, that it never overtakes. It just complements the fights. And the music that you mentioned for that Red Circle fight scene, as I'm watching it, I think the best version of music in that scenario that I've heard is uh, Collateral, when uh, Tom Cruise is in the club killing people. And that, that, I don't know what the song is called, but it's such a catchy tune, and it's so perfectly done in that movie that it's hard to top that. And that's what uh, the use in John Wick reminded me of, but not nearly as good. Do you know the name of that song in Collateral? I don't. But you know what I'm talking about. I do. Would you hum it for me? No. The Equalizer was composed by Harry Gregson Williams. Now, I'm going to read you a list of films that (laughs) Harry Gregson Williams... (laughs) Has composed. (laughs) Uh, And you will uh, will not believe it.
1: Is Cold Pursuit
0: on there? What is that, a song? That's a
1: Liam Neeson uh, film.
0: I would not be surprised if it is. But here, here are the movies that Harry Gregson Williams has done. Has scored? Scored, composed. Phone Booth, Man on Fire, Shrek 2, Shrek 3. Is there a Shrek 4? I'm pretty sure he's done a Shrek 4 too. Probably. Team America, World Police, Kingdom of Heaven, Deja Vu, The Number 23. X Men Origins Wolverine. Your favorite, The Town. Woo! Tarantino's favorite, Unstoppable. The New Total Recall. He also did The Martian. He did The Meg. He did Mulan, all the M's. He did The Last Duel. And he did House of Gucci, just to name a few. What a strange filmography. It is very strange. So, what do you think of Harry Gregson Williams' score in this movie? Or if you can think of a needle drop moment, which I can.
1: I barely noticed the score. I'd say the place where it stood out to me was after he kills the assassin who comes to the the diner and then he walks in front of the SUV uh, taking cell phone pictures of uh, Mr. Bean slash uh, Nikolai. You got to
0: stop. Uh, her, uh, hating on Nikolai, man. I thought he did a good job.
1: That chase sequence where those guys, the Russians, eventually follow him into like some sort of
0: construction area?
1: Yeah. You know, was the only time where this score I, I feel like kind of picked up and, and I took notice of it. There are some needle drops. There There is a song, like some sort of pop song that plays in the Hallmark fight scene over the the pa
0: that's when i liked it uh the most personally
1: I, I you know i didn't find it to be like memorable or or terribly effective it felt more like a gimmick in conclusion both films i feel like come up short in terms of the score
0: there was a song called vengeance by zach hemsey which was to me very you know a good needle drop i think it was used uh, a couple of times in the movie or at least one time in one of the fight scenes i don't know which one i think it, it was the home improvement definitely
1: so. plays during the end of the Hallmark fight scene when the sprinklers are going off, and I found it to be extremely annoying.
0: So what's your feeling on who gets a point here?
1: I think the music in the red circle scene is exactly what I'm looking for in terms of pairing music with a fight scene. Between both films, to me, the only real memorable music moment.
0: For me, John Wick just... Worked better overall musically. Not that I care for music in each movie, but just it just worked better in John Wick. So John Wick takes the point. Put it on the board, Michael. Category 9. Which movie was directed better? John Wick was directed by first-time director Chad Stahelski. Stahelski might be a first-time director, but before making Wick, he was very well-known in the stunt world. He famously worked with Brandon Lee on The Crow. He worked on the Matrix trilogy, and that is where he became friends with Keanu Reeves. He has done stunts for movies like 8mm, Wild Wild West, The Replacements, Ghost of Mars featuring Ice Cube, Corky Romano. I love Corky Romano. I do, I do, I do love that movie. Kung Pao, Van Helsing, Spider-Man 2. Everybody loves Spider-Man 2. Everybody loves Spider-Man 2. Triple X, State of the Union, Live Free or Die Hard, Ooh. 300, Serenity, Balls of Fury, The Expendables, and The Expendables 2. And he was also the stunt coordinator on After Earth. Uh, What do you think of Chad Stahelski's direction in John Wick?
1: Well, despite his uh, involvement in uh, After Earth, in terms of a first film, like a first film as director, John Wick is outstanding. At some point in the film, I, I think it's Vigo. He says of John Wick, or he's, he's explaining to his son who John Wick is. He says, John is a man of focus, commitment, and sheer will. John Wick is a film of focus, commitment, and sheer will. It has an incredibly consistent and propulsive pace. I'm never bored. The locations and the style of cinematography are, are coherent from front to back, and... There are choices made throughout in terms of where to place the camera, when to move the camera. It is a purposefully directed film, and it is 96 minutes. It is tight.
0: I love, I love it for all of those reasons. I love it. I think his background in stunt and stunt coordination helps him a lot, big time. He's able to do single-take shots with slick fight choreography that really makes not just this movie, but the entire franchise shine.
1: I'd like to find out about more directors who come from different parts of the production world. Something that I remember Tom Cruise talking about in a and a was that, you know, when he like worked on Taps, he, he was getting started. And he just on his day off, he'd go hang out in the wardrobe department. And in Days of Thunder, he would start hanging out with the camera department more. The guy has just spent so much time on set, learning the ins and outs. I don't think there's anybody in the world who like knows quite how to make a big film like Tom Cruise. So I imagine our, our boy Chad, when it came to directing John Wick, he had a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and, and that he was on set watching a lot of different filmmakers and different camera teams. So, I mean, he really got like the best education in the world uh, before making his first film, which happens to be John Wick. And that's pretty incredible.
0: Knocks it out of the park. And I think uh, the cinematography, which we will eventually talk about, helps this movie big time. So his collaborator in cinematography is a huge part of this movie. The Equalizer is directed by one of our, our favorite directors, Antoine Fuqua. He doesn't really need an introduction, but for the sake of our listeners, we're talking about the director of The Replacement Killers, Trading Day, Tears of the Sun, King Arthur, Shooter, Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus Has Fallen, which we've done on this podcast, Southpaw, The Magnificent Seven, and more recently, the film Emancipation. I love me, Fuqua. What do you think of Fuqua's direction in this movie?
1: I mean, Fuqua's the first director we've talked about twice now on the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast to talk for one second about first films. The Replacement Killers is his first film? That's pretty sick.
0: I think he did uh, maybe a bunch of TV or other short stuff before, but that was one of note. The
1: highs and lows of his filmography pretty wildly set apart from each other. I think one of the biggest problems with The Equalizer is is its inconsistent directing. Like, you know, we talked about, when we were talking about Best Scene, how the promise of the character, you know, the, the guy we get to know, the things that he goes on to do doesn't necessarily feel like it comes from the foundation that we get with him early in the film. I was thinking a lot about the, I'm to talk about Tom Cruise a lot, about the Jack Reacher film. I, I know that people who like the Jack Reacher books don't necessarily like the Jack Reacher film, but uh, I think the first Jack Reacher movie is uh, an awesome action film. And I've always thought of it as like, um, what if James Bond was broke? Early in the movie, uh, he goes into like a thrift store to, to change what he's wearing so that he can look different to the people who are trying to follow him. The clothes that he wears out of the thrift store, he wears through the rest of the film. There's, there's a scene in a hotel room where a woman's like, could you put a shirt on? And he's washing. He's literally washing the one shirt that he has in, in a sink. So the, 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 what we learn about the character at the beginning of the film uh, informs and motivates everything that he does, uh, and that that's that's <laughs> that's what writing a good character is. There's a lot of interesting things about Robert McCall, and I feel like we don't explore the interesting things, and we end up spending time on on things that are are are, are not terribly interesting. The the Equalizer gets tripped up in ideas that the filmmakers seem to think are more clever than they really are. Like the scene where David Harbor is being suffocated in a a car because in a very complex way Robert McCall has funneled exhaust through a back window and he's got
0: why couldn't he turn the car off why couldn't David like what was the reason why couldn't
1: he lower the window with the button inside there's a lot of that stuff you know and I don't like to pick apart movies to the point that they're not enjoyable I don't like watching things on YouTube that are like This movie mistake, you know, because then it it penetrates your suspension of disbelief. It makes it impossible to enjoy anything. So I don't love picking apart plot holes, but there's just too many plot holes in The Equalizer. And and there's huge chunks of time that are spent on things that don't matter. What would you say is Robert McCall's motivation in The Equalizer?
0: I think uh, at some point he decides to be some type of a knight and wants to protect oppressed people. And so he just kind of turns on that switch that had been turned off because of his retirement. At
1: the beginning of the film leads us to believe that he's being motivated by his kind of confusing, but, but present relationship with the Chloe Grace Moretz, Moretz character, right? She is what motivates him to engage with uh, the Russian mafia and, and we go from there, right? But he doesn't stop there. <laughs> By the end of the film, he's taking down the Russian mob in Russia. Meanwhile, or, or along the way, he also encounters crooked cops, who he now feels that he has to, you know, that that's a situation that he has to correct. We spend that chunk of time with, I love Bill Pullman. I love Melissa Leo. Why are we at their home?
0: It's all over the place, this movie. Why,
1: why do we spend 20 minutes there? You know, for a film that, to me, would be much better if it were 45 minutes shorter, I, I can't think of another movie that I, I would have an easier time pulling 45 minutes out of. All that being said, it's always fun to watch Denzel. You know, it didn't feel torturous to watch this movie. Uh, if anything, the thing that's most frustrating is that I think the film had a lot more potential than it utilized.
0: Yeah, so I I think Fuqua is great with character and drama, but I'm not sure if he's the best director for action. So a simple thing like Home Alone in a home improvement store, that could have been masterfully done at the very basic level with the right team. And I feel like Fuqua doesn't deliver on that. And if you look at the scene where Nikolai beats up John in his construction office, you can see that he had the team to be able to execute action really well. So I think ultimately... The movie just has a lot of drama and character, which is great. But I think because of maybe Denzel's physical limitations, it's not able to deliver on the punching and the kicking and the you know the wide shot that shows the fight, which I think would have improved this movie. And there's a lot of those dead zones of, you know, 20 minutes with Bill Pullman and Melissa Leo. So, yeah, I think this movie just is not a good action movie. Maybe a decent action movie, but not a great action movie.
1: And I think the reason that it's not great... The first culprit, I would say, is the script. And the second culprit, I would say, is is the directing.
0: It lacks action. This movie lacks action.
1: It could have been more interesting and believable, I feel, if the action perpetuated by Robert McCall, by Denzel Washington, came from that character that we started to learn about at the beginning of the film. I'm afraid that Anton Fuqua is one of those guys that doesn't necessarily elevate a script. If he gets a mediocre script, you're probably going to get, like, a mediocre movie. Uh, a guy that I, I think about a lot in, in those terms is Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston has made uh, some of my, like, favorite films. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. There's a, that's a directorial debut. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I love that movie. Great film. He was, like, a special effects guy. So another guy who came from a different part of the process and eventually got on to directing. Personal favorite, The Rocketeer a lot of people find that film.
0: I've been in your home, and there's like a Rocketeer thing in your home.
1: A helmet, yes. Along with
0: a bunch of Ghostbusters things.
1: He directed Jumanji, uh, October Sky. I think those are both effective films because they have effective scripts. He directs Jurassic Park 3, which is not great because it has a not great script. Captain America, The First Avenger. It's a fine film, and it has a fine script, you know?
0: So these are the types of directors who will make the blueprint that they're given. They they will make the building out of the blueprint given to them. They don't
1: necessarily elevate the material that they're given. I see, I see. I think we know where this lands.
0: First-time director Chad Stahelski rips it out of the great Antoine Fuqua's hands, making John Wick the better directed movie. Put it on the board, Michael. Category 10. The best cinematography or best shot. John Wick's cinematographer is Jonathan Sela, who comes from a music video background. On his IMDb, you can see, you know, see a bunch of videos that he's done. And these are the movies that he shot. The Omen, the remake. Max Payne. I don't know why I like the look of that movie.
1: Law-abiding citizen. I would guess that you are a big Law-abiding citizen fan.
0: I love, you know, put, Gerard Butler is like Nicholas Cage to me. Put him in any movie and I'll go watch it. Atomic Blonde. He did Transformers The Last Night. He did Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. He did The Lost City. And more recently, he did Bullet Train. I really enjoyed Bullet Train. I like his style, man. But you know what? He does not have a broad style. He has a very specific style. I was going to say, he has a look. So what do you think of Sila's cinematography in John Wick?
1: I like it. it. It feels like there's a consistent vision from beginning to end. I think that these are two kind of interesting films to, to compare in terms of the, their cinematography. John Wick is is looking for this world within our world, very defined look, heavy green, heavy blue, lots of edge lights.
0: It's a great look for an action movie.
1: It is. You know, there are times where, as a filmmaker, I would have been worried about, like, action getting lost with the high contrast look, but they just, they they really do an exceptional job. That being said, there's not a whole lot of, like, standout individual shots, and I don't necessarily think that that's a negative, because... The camera's never drawing too much attention to itself, right? It's effectively telling the story. It's effectively maintaining your suspension of disbelief. Like other great single-character-driven films, we don't really leave John Wick all, all that often. But seeing John Wick within his own world never really feels stale. One shot that did stick out to me is when he's walking up to the Alfie Allen character, Yosef? to kind of put him out of his misery. It's a wide shot that holds still for a long time. I guess in that way, it, it does kind of bring a little bit more attention to itself as, as being an important, you know, important thing to, 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 to focus on. So I, I think the cinematography in John Wick is super effective.
0: Longtime collaborator of Antoine Fuqua, Mauro Fiori, he is the cinematographer of The Equalizer, and he's done these movies. Get Carter, Training Day, Tears of the Sun. Smoking Aces, The Kingdom, The A-Team, Real Steel, Southpaw, The Magnificent 7, X-Men: Dark Phoenix, and recently Spider-Man: No Way Home. What do you think of Marvel Fury's cinematography? These are interesting
1: films to compare in terms of their cinematography. John Wick has that look, right? It's the John Wick look.
0: It's it's very immersive. It's like you're in this world and you don't see any
1: seams. It's seamless. And I think one of the things that they're going for with the Equalizer, it's that idea that Robert McCall could be your neighbor. So the, the, the way that you see the world of the Equalizer is, is relatively realistic. There are those somewhat scattered moments of high style, the Guy Ritchie look or the Tony Scott look.
0: Or the slow motion where there are you know, certain moments in the movie. But for the most part,
1: the lighting is pretty realistic. It's natural. I really like the way that the diner is lit it feels like that um that, that painting pa- the painting yeah. right yeah that has to be the reference for it oh, it's embarrassing to not know the name of uh, that yeah it's, painting. it's that
0: famous painting of the diner of the diner don't People you guys know that
1: sitting in the diner they all know it
0: do you remember that standout shot that i'm about to mention educate me nikolai is shirtless in his apartment or hotel room or whatever i hate this shot and the camera is behind him
1: and it goes over his head it
0: goes over him to uh, you know over his head right to his front. He looks really menacing at this point. I know you did not buy him because you thought he was Mr. Bean. I bought him as a villain. So, this is, you know, the camera starts behind him, tracks forward, goes over him, goes to the front, and he's upside down now. And then it dissolves to the cityscape him descending what looks like this looks like he's demon. lording over
1: the skyline. Yeah.
0: I thought it was wonderful. It to me, like that it,
1: was a standout shot. It felt like it came from a different movie.
0: In that, that's, I mean, but, but the category is best cinematography slash best shot. And right. that qualifies as best shot.
1: <laughs> it's a flashy shot, and you, you it's know, impressive on its own. I would be like, okay, it feels like a shot that comes from Constantine. You know, it, it feels like it comes from a, a world where where there are more like demonic characters. But
0: but I got to tell you this: in movies like Constantine, this shot would be reeking of special effects, meaning it would it would have been done in some type of post fashion. When you see it in this movie, you know it's all in camera. So our audience may not know this, but we have somewhat of, you know, decent camera background, camera work background. So from a technical point of view, this is an incredibly impressive shot. It's a technically impressive shot. Especially when it's all done in camera. I don't know that it feels
1: at home in this movie, but I'll go along with you here. Because I think, again, I know where we're going to land.
0: You know what? Where where are you going to land with this? John Wick. Ace up my sleeve. No. Ace up my sleeve, my friend. This shot, this shot is the reason. I have to save the shot.
1: So, uh, I am going to ace up my sleeve, you're ace up your sleeve.
0: What? No.
1: I'm going to overturn.
0: You're acing up the sleeve, my ace up the sleeve?
1: I meant to talk about this at the top of the episode because you and I agreed. I somewhat reluctantly agreed that if one of us pulls the ace up their sleeve card, then the other could overturn it, could uno reverse it.
0: Yes, because in the, in the last recording, I missed a great opportunity to be able to do that. Right. But I, we, actually, I actually did not use my ace up my sleeve card on the I don't think one. used it at all. I, I'm fine with that rule. And I can totally live in a world where Mr. Jonathan Sela, for his incredible work, the point goes to John Wick. An ace up a sleeve to an ace up a sleeve.
1: The first ever, that's we true. call those pocket rockets. So that's a pocket rocket,
0: two aces. <laughs> Pocket rocket. Category 11. Best quote slash best dialogue. For John Wick, I have these written down. I think I already alluded to this earlier where Vigo asks, you struck my son? May I ask why? And Oriello responds, because he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. Whenever I hear the
1: word struck, I think of the man from Happy Gilmore who the ball hits his foot and when, <laughs> and when Shooter McGavin comes up, he goes, is this your ball? It struck my foot. Okay, you can continue.
0: I, I love that dialogue. And then uh, I love it when the cop comes up to Wick's door and says, you working again? And Wick responds, just sorting stuff out. Those are my two nominees. Do you have
1: anything to add? This is another instance of like, is this in the first film or is this in the, in, in the second or third film? Uh, we get this piece of dialogue early in John Wick. It says... Uh, I once saw him kill three men in a bar with a pencil. A f***ing pencil. and that, I, that, I would have loved to see that scene. Um, well, that comes into fruition in Chapter 2.
0: Oh, does it? Okay. Yes.
1: I, and I mentioned this before. I think I like this because it's almost bad, but it, it stays good, which is, people keep asking me if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, Yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. So you can either hand over your son or you can die screaming alongside him.
0: I, I don't know if I would call that best dialogue. That just sounds bad. That's the thing. With mad respect to Keanu Reeves for the only sample of dramatic acting that he's shown in like 15 years. It
1: works in the movie. It works in the movie. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like. I don't like what you said about Keanu. Uh, I love me Keanu. I and love Keanu. The last. Ex- this is an exchange that I really liked, which is uh, John Wick uh, comes in after uh, I think it's after the Red Circle fight scene. He returns to the Continental and he asks the concierge. Uh, he says, "How good is your laundry?" And he's got blood all over his shirt. And the concierge says, uh, "I'm sorry to say that no one is that good." <laughs>
0: But uh so we have to pick one. Which one uh which of these dialogues do you want to go with? I I mean the pen, the pencil line is great. And I I think it's great. I feel like I've heard versions of the pencil line before. It's just, you know, it's great cuz it, you don't see it and it's still effective. Keep it. Fine. All right. We'll go with the pencil line. For the equalizer, I have Denzel saying, "You will die here on the floor for $9,800. You should have taken the money."
1: I loved it. I have the same line just started a little earlier. He says, uh, Alina, the girl you beat half to death, her life will go on. Yours is going to end right here on this funky floor over $9,800.
0: I love your delivery. And I love that you put it more in context.
1: I loved Denzel's delivery, the funky floor like that. It just felt like a Denzel line.
0: So, yeah, Denzel definitely delivers. I have one other line written here. When the when the two cops go to return the money and they're coming out, Ugh. the cop says, that hurt more than the beating.
1: The writer thinks he's so clever. The, do you have any other nominees here? I do. Okay, tell me. The Melissa Leo line that I liked, even though I don't think that that scene is necessary, she says, he didn't come for help. He came for permission.
0: That sounds very dramatic.
1: I really liked... Denzel's delivery the scene where he's suffocating David Harbor in the car he starts walking away and he's like yeah I'll I'll be back when <laughs> on his way out um and then uh to to me the the best moment of levity during a, an action sequence is um a callback from er- earlier in the movie that takes place in the Home Mart scene the ho- climactic Home Mart battle when Ralphie shows up and he tries to pick Robert up off the floor, he says a "Buck ninety, my ass," because <laughs> that is uh, what Denzel had said he That's weighs a during you know a, a, an early scene. So, uh, so
0: I think we should go with the ninety eight hundred dollars line. I think you did a great delivery of that. I think oh, thank you, Denzel delivers it wonderfully. I, I think, think it's, it's I think it's the best line. It also is great for that particular character between the John Wick pencil line by Vigo. And Denzel's line about the $9,800, what do you pick as the best dialogue?
1: The $9,800 line almost gets there, but I like the pencil line.
0: Sorry, more. I, I like the $9,800 more. Really? If you had picked the other exchange about you struck my son, me ask why, I would have maybe leaned wick. But between the two that we've chosen, All the right, $9,800, I, I mean, Denzel's delivery, I'm, man.
1: I'm willing to make a compromise if you let me talk about one more scene. When Vigo calls John for the first time and he he picks up the phone and he says, John, I heard about your wife. I'm sorry. I know that this thing happened. Can we deal with this like civilized men? And John Wick doesn't say a word. Vigo hangs up the phone after having this, like, one-sided conversation. And well,
0: then... Wick hangs up the phone, not uh Okay, vegan, well, he right? hangs up the
1: phone, but he never says anything. He doesn't say anything throughout the entire... That
0: was very effective dialogue, yeah.
1: Yes, very effective dialogue, so...
0: But rules are rules, and we already... Yeah, the I'm just line. saying,
1: I just wanted to talk about it, because it, it stuck out to me as, like, really effective and, and creative writing. So, fine.
0: I think that was a great scene, by the way.
1: Okay, so, you know, we'll give the point to the Equalizer, the $9,800 line... They chose the right amount of money.
0: And Denzel is just great. Category 12. Which movie gets the Good Time at the Movies award? John Wick. Easy. This one's easy peasy John Wick, man. These are
1: action movies. There are times where, where The Equalizer has created a truly miserable world for us to experience.
0: Tell me about it. We
1: have to watch a prostitute be strangled by Mr. Bean... For like 30 full seconds. Stop
0: calling him Mr. Bean. He's great. There's no
1: reason to make us sit through that kind of misery when all we're looking for is a good time at the movies. Yeah.
0: And you know, you already mentioned John Wick is a tight edit, man. It's 95 minutes of fun.
1: I feel like in my head, I didn't know that it it, it runs for 96 minutes. I'm going to watch it more often now.
0: It's got a dog, it's got beautiful cars right?
1: Yeah. Firing on all cylinders, man. John Wick. I recently heard that there's like there's like a list or a section on Netflix that has 90 minute or less movies. And I'm very interested in, in, in finding out where that is.
0: Point John Wick. Uh, let's take a break, Michael. We haven't counted the points yet. What do you think it is at this point, Michael?
1: John Wick was on a, a pretty hot streak there. But the, the first few categories all, all went to the, the equalizer, which, which was kind of surprising to me, so I think it's still a race.:
0: Now we're jumping into action movie-specific categories. These are genre-specific categories. So right now we're talking about action movies. These are the three questions that we have dedicated to action movies. Category 13: Which hero do you want on your, Which hero do you want on your side when shit hits the fan? So John Wick is badass. He can fend for himself. He can even take out an army. But he still gets his friend, William Defoe killed. His dog dies. And he doesn't really do any, like, tinkering or inventing of stuff. He's like a boulder rolling down. He's unstoppable when he's going. So on an attack, he's a good person to have on your side. Yeah, he's more nimble. And there are a lot of times that he could have died or could have been killed. In the movie, he doesn't die because there is a John Wick 4, but, you know, he does have a tendency to be hurt if the bad guys made their mind up. The equalizer, on the other hand, is smart. I'm I'm talking about the character, not the movie. Yeah. Uh, Rob McCall is always able to think many, many steps ahead. He knows exactly how much time will be needed to accomplish the mission. Like Kevin McAllister, he's able to set up a lot of traps. He also doesn't pick up as much battle damage. He's not. He's almost never hurt in the yeah, movie. He's Except not that one time. In
1: nearly as rough shape as John Wick is at the end of the movie.
0: He uses a lot of different things to accomplish the mission. He can spy on people without them knowing that he's being they're being spied on. He's just a much better planner. And to be honest, I would rather hang out with him than with John Wick, because John Wick is kind of like a, you know, like a quiet person and doesn't seem like a lot of fun. Whereas the Equalizer is like a nurturing person. He kind of. Looks out for you. He helps you out. He comes to the baseball game. Reads good books. Yeah, he's a cool hang also. He is. He's a
1: real nurturer.
0: Yeah. So, you know, those are my points. What do you think?
1: I mean, this is why I wanted you to kick it off. Because John Wick is cooler, right? Cooler as an action hero. Yeah, and he's in a more fun movie. And while I do suspect, or I believe, that some of... Robert McCall's success feels a little conjured, you know, that I don't necessarily feel like the situations that he is in would would play out the way they ultimately do.
0: Oh, you know, I have one more point for McCall.
1: All right. He's able
0: to kind of, uh, you know, stitch himself up. And John Wick uh, needs help the first time from the doctor at the Continental. And the second time, it just looks like a rush patch job as opposed to like a proper stitching.
1: I would also say that John Wick looks cooler doing his thing, right? But he probably is not a ton of fun to hang out with. I mean, he's really sad. He's sad about his wife. He's sad about his dog. I don't know. I don't. I don't see like a TV in his, uh, in his in his really in big his life. fancy house. You know, I don't, he's probably not keeping up with, with what's on HBO. Uh, but you know, Robert McCall, he he's got a little bit of culture.
0: Yeah, he's a planner. But the category is which hero do you want on your side? It's a well,
1: I'm a holistic thinker about all these things. Yeah, I, I you know, I kind of suspected you'd you'd bring me to go with Robert McCall here, and 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 I'm com- I'm comfortable making that decision.
0: Point the equalizer. Category 14. Which movie had the most slash best destruction? John Wick has 77 on-screen deaths, Ooh. multiple car crashes, a fire in the basement of a church. Am I missing anything
1: here? The car crashes are really good. They feel very impactful. There's not a lot of big city affecting action elements, you know, in John Wick, which is probably a reflection of its smaller budget.
0: The Equalizer has a spectacular explosion of an oceanic vessel. The Equalizer has total destruction of the home improvement store by water damage. (laughs) (laughs) So between the explosion and the water damage, am I missing anything? No,
1: I did think that, the insurance writer for the Home Mart was going to be in big trouble. We're looking at, like, a total inventory loss,
0: right? Why didn't, like, the fire department or the cops show up at the home improvement store? There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. But, uh, you know, this category is which movie had the most slash best destruction. This is... You know, easily leading one way. I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I, I don't okay. think that the big oil tanker explosion is like terribly well done. Oh,
0: by the way, I love the the shot of the ground with the pellets in the ground shaking. Yeah, but the what
1: movie did that come from? It does not look like it belongs in this movie at all.
0: Another great shot from. Anyway,
1: the movie. yeah. I just, you know, so I, 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 I can't ignore the facts, and I am nothing but fair. So oh. I agree. This point has to go to The Equalizer.
0: The Equalizer. Slowly coming back in the action movie categories. Category 15. The third of the action movie categories. Which movie had the best stunt? Do you want me to start or you want to say something? Please. The Gun Fu in John Wick is incredible. It's very stylish and grounded. You feel it, man. The camera, the lighting, the sound, the sound effects. They complement it's in everywhere. they do enhance the action my favorite stunt work is uh, in the scene that we picked as best scene which is the home invasion fight scene with gunfu especially with that knife thing and there's there's also the one scene outside the church where keanu gets hit by a car sideways when keanu goes down of all of the stunts in john wick do you have one particular that stands out i think you're, you're sleeping on the climactic car
1: chase sequence that happens before the final fist fight uh there are two I think very clever moments. One our our friend mayhem Dean Dean Winters. He I love mayhem. is he's on the side of oh John Wick Tokyo drifts his car into Dean Winters so that he ends up crashing through the passenger side window and when the car stops he kind of comedically like falls backwards out the window and then Vigo smashes his car into the driver's side of the car that John Wick is driving so that it is pushed right on top of of Dean Winters and I mean, that's the last we see of him that that he gets dragged under the car so there, there's kind of a, a one-two punch there that looks very realistic and, and is a lot of fun. There's also one nameless henchman death during that same driving sequence where John Wick drives the car into this man, and as he's rolling over the top of the car, oh, yeah. John Wick puts at least four bullets in him. So I love that moment. You, you cut to inside of the car, and you're not even seeing the guy roll anymore, and it's just bam, 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 and his his hand is kind of going back as as the guy rolls across the top of the car. Uh, so to me, that those are both like very visually impressive stunts and creative. You know, it's really hard to show people something they haven't seen before after 125 years of, of American filmmaking. So if you can show me something that's actually clever, that, that that goes a long way with me.
0: Absolutely great. in the Equalizer, it has some great practical stunts. The one that stands out for me is in the home improvement store. When the bad guy gets strung up in the barbed wire that you mentioned earlier, he's hanging from the ceiling, and Bob watches him die. That was pretty good. Uh, there was also that explosion that I thought was awesome. I think that was a real explosion. It looked like real effects, don't you think?
1: From the microwave? The the benzene? No, the... no, I'm
0: talking about when the, the ship explodes.
1: Oh, no. That was one of the more digital, I thought, more digitally... You think so? Created explosions I've seen, yeah.
0: No, I thought that was practical. We'll have to look into it. I mean,
1: Denzel was very, very close to that fireball. Okay. Or I'd rather say, since he did not look back at it, it was very close to him.
0: Do you have anything to add, thoughts-wise, over here?
1: John Wick is directed by a stuntman, and the stunts are great. I think it would be a crime to grant this point to any other film but John Wick.
0: John Wick. And the stunts get better with 2 and 3, and, you know... Let's see what happens in four.
1: We got horses, right, in three.
0: Oh, I love, uh, there's a the dagger fight in three. Yeah, I was
1: thinking about the ancient dagger, like the old antique dagger fight. Yeah,
0: Ugh, the horses. I'm
1: excited to rewatch those movies.
0: Yeah. All right, point John Wick for amazing stunt work. Let's get to the next section. These are twin movie special categories. Now, these are categories that only apply to the two movies that we have picked for this podcast, because there's a reason why these movies are twins. They have a lot of things similar between them. It's insane how many similar things are into in movies.
1: And i like to know, you create these categories. I don't know about these categories beforehand.
0: Yeah. In both movies, a guy is stabbed through the jaw, and they spend a fair amount of time on it. In both movies, the lady who helped our main character find the bad guy is killed brutally, and they have dedicated scenes for that. Both movies have the dead wife, Uh, in both movies, the Russian mob people break into our main character's house. In both movies, there are classic cars that play a major role in the plot. And then I was, I was sad to let this one go in the special categories, but in both movies, there's a Latino friend who helps the protagonist out in a big way. Hmm. And these are just a few of the things or a few of the many things that these movies have in common, but we're going to dig even deeper than that. Let's get into it. Category 16. Which movie has the better destruction of the bad guy's business scene? Ooh. So John Wick has, uh, he walks into the church, he shoots like four people and shoots, uh, kneecaps the priest. Yeah. And then well, he's he... like a
1: fake priest, right?
0: Yeah. And then he proceeds, I don't know. Was he real? Was he fake? We don't I know. I mean,
1: they say the church is a front.
0: But they could have a real priest there, no? Okay.
1: Yeah. The church has done worse.
0: Yeah. <laughs> John Wick proceeds to go to the basement where the priest opens the the ba- the, the vault, and John burns it. And it's then, not
1: just money, though. H. Oh yeah, it's, it's valuable. It's blackmail. It's audio recordings. I, I I thought that was actually a really fun detail. We
0: he, didn't we didn't know at the time, but it's revealed to us later
1: through Vigo. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then uh, later on, there's a fight scene right outside the church when John Wick attacks Vigo when he gets there. In the Equalizer, there's the explosion of the ship in the shipyard with the, with some great shots, which you think belong in a different movie. Do you have anything to add? And which movie did it better, Michael? Which movie has the better destruction of the bad guy's business scene?
1: I'd say that the real home of the bad guy's business in The Equalizer is the restaurant where, uh, you know, Robert meets the Russians for the first time and offers them the, the envelope full of cash. I think it's the same restaurant that Robert shows up to meet—what's the bad guy's name? Nikolai.
0: Meet Nikolai. So uh, I, I, don't, I disagree with you. I don't think that's the, that's the business. I oh, you don't that, think that's the the, sh- whole... the ship is the business because that's, that's like the, the property. But the restaurant is like their base of operations. In the spirit of the category, it has to be the ship. I mean, do you—so so, so if it is the ship— Because, because there's business—why go- is there stuff on the ship? Is the business is happening there? That's why there's stuff on the ship, right? So there's so it's so, in it's in the invoices that he
1: finds. But it's literally f- like fuel, right? Like he's selling Russian oil or something.
0: No, it's it's uh it's it's there whatever is in the invoices. But but my point is that because just because they don't show uh, Nikolai going there in the movie doesn't mean that business is not taking place there.
1: The thing that I like about the John Wick destruction, though, is it feels like a a real holistic degradation of Vigo's ability to conduct his business. When we understand what has happened, right? That the breadth of material, not just money, that, that John Wick has destroyed, that, like, Vigo's ability to operate his criminal enterprise is severely effective. And we know at the end of The Equalizer that Pushkin, the scary, you know, Russian mafia guy, that, uh, I mean, until Robert McCall comes knocking on his door, eh, business seems okay. Uh, He's like an oligarch. Right, yeah. Um, So while the explosion of the ship is is big and, and flashy, I'm left feeling like the destruction that John Wick brings to Vigo is is more complete and you know more impressive. Not not even not not even mentioning that he kills his son.
0: It's not spectacular, no. But it's uh it, it you know he's able to take all the blackmail stuff away, which we find out later. But it's not evident until it's described to us later.
1: Again, I, I, I so, feel like John Wick does more work to reduce. The villain's ability to conduct his normal course of business.
0: So here's my question for you. I, I think I know where you're leaning here, which is J.W. But here's my question to you: If there was like blackmailing material on the ship that got destroyed,
1: we we don't know that. We're not we're not told whether that's true or not.
0: Then you would then would you would I be able to sway you that way?
1: I mean, my my understanding and is, and
0: we and we put a priest on the board as well.
1: My understanding is that. What's destroyed on the ship is fuel. That like the Russian mob has ma- has their hands in in many different things, and one of them is illicit fossil
0: fuels. That sounds like a legit business. Why would he destroy that? What is wrong with this man? But anyways, I think uh, the wording of this question benefits John Wick.
1: Oh, you think so? I feel like the wording benefits. Uh, the equalizer, but I'm I'm really trying to uh, pull things to uh, the John Wick side of things.
0: Oh, because it's your favorite. You are you are not an objective person today, are you? I have said we've already, we've also. Already... Wait, 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 let me ask you this: Which destruction is known? You're talking about the value of the destruction. I'm saying which destruction is just better. But well, I, that's what
1: I'm saying is I, I feel like the, the I feel the impact of what John Wick does more than what. But, Robert McCall does,
0: but you feel that much later, because it's a very small fire. It's a very small fire with like a little bit of smoke bellowing out the church.
1: Look, Priest the facts st- are the facts. We know, hand. we know what was destroyed, and Ma-
0: McCall has an. It's going to
1: bring Vigo's criminal enterprise to its knees.
0: McCall, Robert
1: McCall, doesn't even show up on the Russian mob radar until he's knocking on this guy's estate door in Moscow.
0: McCall's explosion. Can be heard around the world.
1: I cannot believe I don't have my ace up my sleeve to use right now.
0: Oh, well, I don't. I don't. We've find already this.
1: given a point to the equalizer based on the not great explosion of this ship. I can't let it get another one.
0: Fine, take it. Point, John Wick. Point, John Wick. Category seventeen. Which movie has the better death scene of the girl character who gives away the location of the bad guys to the protagonist?
1: I've already stated it. <laughs> I mean, I've already stated that I feel... No, no, no. so
0: despite your feelings of, <laughs> about whether the scene was necessary or unnecessary.
1: So wait, off so, the two so, scenes, so we're talking about, in The Equalizer, we're talking about the scene where Nikolai does a sleeper hold on the poor young woman. After he gives her some water. Right. And then in John Wick, we're talking about the woman... Who goes through the tunnel? Perkins, in, I think, is their name. Perkins. Perkins goes through the tunnel in uh, Central Park, which we've seen in, in Home Alone two. We see in Ransom, a uh, very you know famous filming
0: location. And then four guys pop out of uh, behind pillars, right? And they pop four bullets into her head. Look, I, I dragged you to give John Wick a point
1: in the last category. So well, why don't you tell me what you're thinking here?
0: I just think the the equalizer scene is more visceral, whereas uh, the Perkins scene is just impersonal. So I think I would rather go with emotion over style.
1: What, What did you? Can you read me the name of the category again?
0: Which movie has the better death scene of the girl character who gives away the location of the bad guys to the protagonist?
1: I think that the scene in John Wick with the four men, I think four men, with handguns is more cinematic.
0: But, I, I would have liked a fight in there. Like Throw in a fight. Maybe she tries to fight. Do something. But for as reasonable as, as like John
1: Wick and the other characters in the John Wick film seem in terms of like their motivations and the way, they, the way they approach things, when you are going with a group of people to shoot somebody, you don't stand in a circle. You don't stand in a circle and shoot at the person.
0: What happens if you miss? Crossfire, baby. You hit the other guy.
1: Yeah. All right. Also, so,
0: why do they kill her there? Why don't they kill her in like 50 other places they could kill her?
1: I, I'll, I'll say particularly because I feel like that's one of the few weaknesses of the John Wick film. I'm willing to go along with you and grant the point to the Equalizer.
0: You're acting like the Equalizer is like a favorite of mine. I really don't like love the Equalizer uh, like you you're did, making you out s- to be. You
1: said that you liked the choking the prostitute to death scene. <laughs> I'm uh, not putting words in your mouth. The The Jennifer Lawrence lookalike? Is that her name, Jennifer Lawrence? That is the name of a popular American actress.
0: And that that act, the female actor who get, is getting choked, looks like her. You're right;
1: she kind of looks like her.
0: So, uh, point the equalizer. Category 18, twin movie specific. Which movie had the best boss fight in the rain with a bad guy scene?
1: <laughs> One's not rain; it is or, water.
0: What water coming down Sprinkler from the skies? system water. Yeah. So, of the two movies, both movies had the boss fight. In the water coming down from the heavens, or the sprinkler system. John Wick, Vigo fights with Wick in the rain after knocking his car over with the SAV. John Wick stabs himself for some reason, and Vigo is, for some reason, a match for him. I don't get that. In the Equalizer, Nikolai fights McNall. Is that his name? McCall. McCall. In the Equalizer, Nikolai fights McCall in the home improvement store with the sprinklers going... It's in slow motion with some awesome music. You didn't think it was awesome. And Nikolai gets shot with a nail gun multiple times. And he struggles to come towards the equalizer. But the equalizer keeps subtracting him from the equation with the nail gun. So what do you think, Michael?
1: You know, H, just when I think you are out of, of ammunition, you come to me with the nail gun and you're 100% right. The nail gun is awesome on its own. Uh I- <laughs> I think I've discussed my my suspicions as to whether or not this climactic fight sequence in, in, in Home Mart makes a whole lot of sense. Also, like, it's clearly Home Depot, right? There's orange everywhere.
0: They just changed the signs yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it just,
1: I don't know, that whole, that just makes me takes me so much out of the movie all the time. What like, do you have against Home Depot? No, I, I go to, uh, okay. i we're, we're not doing free advertising here,
0: but like <laughs> Home well, Depot, we need you to sponsor our, why podcast. did it have to be? Or Lowe's.
1: Why did it have to be orange? It could have been literally any color that does not already make us think of another home improvement store. Anyway, I, I think, and some, you know, somebody can correct me who is maybe more of like a, a construction, you know, human in the world. Um, I feel like those are like concrete, like those. that's a nail gun for like concrete, and it might use like gunpowder, like there's a charge in it that, that propels the, you know, the nail or the screw or whatever. I mean, I, I almost don't want to give the point to the equalizer here, because there's a moment where Robert McCall kills a man- by drilling in the back of his head.
0: Yeah, that did not make sense.
1: It doesn't make any sense. It would take so long to drill through the back of somebody's head. This guy has a gun. He could easily turn around and shot Robert McCall right in his face.
0: There were also moments when McCall was just kind of lying on the ground and they were trying to find him. And why couldn't they just run quickly? Why were they just walking slowly? They had a
1: lot of opportunity to take him out. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. The question is, which movie had the best boss fight in the water coming down from top with the bad guy scene?
1: Did you say that it doesn't make sense that Vigo is a competent hand-to-hand... It
0: does not make sense it at all. It doesn't make sense. And plus, uh, why, I don't understand why Wick stabbed himself. He didn't have to. He didn't need to.
1: It feels like it gave into like a trope for the, no other reason than it's a trope. So yeah, you, you sold me. Nail gun.
0: Point the equalizer. I also want to mention this. I kind of appreciated in Wick that uh, when Wick gets to Vigo's son... He does not have a long conversation about it, just kind of yeah, shoots him.
1: just get it over with. Yeah.
0: And Vigo had plenty of opportunities to kill John Wick. So, you know, don't sh** don't, don't on the equalizer. It's a tale as old as time, man. If you get a shot, take it. Bad guys keep losing because they don't do it quickly. Category 19, the fourth of the twin movie-specific categories. Which movie has the best use of a hammer in the story, Michael?
1: Uh, Drive. Oh, we're not talking about Drive. John Wick has a pretty... What's the scene in Drive? The scene in Drive where he beats the man to death in the elevator with the hammer. Oh, it's yeah, a famous hammer.
0: I gotta, I gotta rewatch that. I don't remember that scene, oh, but yeah, I gotta. It's a great movie. I vaguely remember. Oh yeah, it was a good, good movie. I remember.
1: So Robert McCall takes like a like it's like a small sledgehammer, like a breakup hammer, uh, and that that's an off screen
0: death. And then he brings the hammer back, cleans it, and hangs it back in the store. So it's back in the inventory system, right? Off. The Home Mart
1: felt a little out of character for squeaky clean Robert McCall. He would have. He should have wiped it beforehand. Well, he sh-
0: he should have won. Oh, I, do you think he paid for that hammer? Uh, we don't know. He brought it back. Unexplained. Even if he paid for it, he got a refund later. He could have he returned it. it. Yeah, yeah, he
1: could have returned it.
0: You know, this is not a documentary about buying and selling of hammers. This is a movie. You know,
1: it seems distasteful to return a hammer you use to kill somebody. Anyway. It's, it's actually
0: perfect because the police will never be able to track true. it That's true.
1: Somebody will take it. You don't know where it is.
0: Okay. Yeah. Fair. John, um, John Rick has the cool scene where John uses a sledgehammer, the iconic scene. It's iconic. Uh, to open up the floor. And it's only like, the people only remember it because it's in the trailers. I don't know. Do you know think if they would have remembered true. it if it was not in the trailers?
1: It's a pivotal moment for the character. It's when, you know, he's made the decision to re engage with. Is there a name? Is it like the Syndicate? Is there a name for the whole the high uh, table? The
0: high table. Uh, yeah. Well, you got to watch two and three to yeah, find it all the I got to remember. Names. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he's
1: going back in. Like he's literally breaking the concrete floor of his basement to unearth a chest that has some firearms and. And his gold coins in it, so he's on the path. And and you use the word iconic. I I think that says it it's, all.
0: It's iconic now. Yeah. All right. Here's the question again. Which movie has the best use of a hammer? In the best use of a hammer in the story. All right. So at the time John Wick One came out, yeah, did we have any relationship with the hammer and the concrete? Had you seen other scenes in movies where something is unearthed? from the apartment slash living situation of a person using different devices, maybe a hammer, maybe a jackhammer, whatever it is.
1: We have seen hidden stashes before, but they're not usually blocked in such a semi-permanent way. He put that stuff down there, but it's not like he could just kind of pop in and access it, you know, when he needs to. Thinking of Mr. I like Mr. and Mrs. Smith a lot. There's a lot of hidden weaponry and they have secret rooms and, and you know, weapons hidden and stuff all over oh, their I, house. I, I
0: love William Defoe's secret room. That was pretty cool.
1: He had a nice, he had, like, he did the Harry Potter thing. It was like under the stairs.
0: Yeah, but the, those walls were so seamless, man. You're I an assassin it. now, Harry. We need that. We, I need that in my house.
1: Um, yeah. No, not Hid- the guns,
0: just the secret closet.
1: Hidden rooms are always fun. And Men in Black 2 has a good hidden room. In an apartment with a whole lot of weaponry. Yeah. So, you know, I feel we've seen the hidden room thing before, but for him to have created like such a roadblock, right, for himself to kind of access this stuff, I think it feels true to the character. He wanted to be prepared for a rainy day, but it wasn't his intention to kind of get back in. I feel like I got to give the point to John Wick here because we see the hammer being used.
0: What about uh, the brilliance of returning the hammer to the store in the Equalizer?
1: I, mean, it, you know, honestly, it, it's a little more clever than I gave it credit for when I was watching, you know, watching the movie. Um,
0: but see, you you have a history with John Wick right now, so you know that that scene is iconic because of two and three in the mix. But back in the time, you know, at this time, you're watching. Action movies that are not franchises come out left and right every year in 2014.
1: Look, 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 look. I'm feeling a little guilty about the Uno-Reverse acing your ace, all right? So here's what I'm going to do for you. Whichever one you want, whichever film you'd like to get the Hammer Award can take home the last point here.
0: To be So here's my feeling. In, in terms of story, I think the Hammer in Equalizer works better.
1: I've, I mean, I've decided to lay my hammer down, and I'm going to follow you.
0: All right. Nailing into the wall for a point for the Equalizer, my friend. All right. Those are all of the 19 categories. Uh, what a journey this has been. Shall we do a rundown for our audience here? All right. Let's do a quick review. All right. Category one. Which movie won the release date? Equalizer. Category two, which movie won the box office? Equalizer. Category three, which movie has the better title? Also, The Equalizer. Category four, which movie has the better leading actor? John Wick. That's true. I love me some Keanu Reeves. Category five, which movie has the best rest of the cast? John Wick. Category six, which movie has the best Best scene. Also John Wick. Love me some gun That gun is good, man. Category seven, best title drop, which means the movie's name is stated in a scene. John Wick. John Wick. Category eight, the best music moment slash needle drop. Also John Wick. Category nine, best director slash which movie was directed better? John Wick. The first time director takes the point for John Wick. Category 10. Best cinematography slash shot. Was this the one with the ace of the sleeve mix up? Yes. Alright, tell me the best cinematography slash shot. John Wick. Another point stolen by Wick with trickery by the Bearheart. Category eleven, the best quote slash best dialogue. Equalizer. The equalizer. Ninety eight hundred dollars. Ninety eight hundred dollars. You know that Denzel, man. That Denzel's a great actor. I got you. Almost
1: ten thousand.
0: Category twelve. Which movie gets the Good Time at the Movies award?
1: Jonathan Wick.
0: Category 13. Which hero do you want on your side when s hits the fan? Robert McCall of The Equalizer. Thanks, Denzel. Category 14. Which movie had the most slash best destruction? Equalizer. Equalizer with that exploding vessel in the ocean. Category 15. Which movie had the best stunt? John Wick. Many, many great stunts in the movie. Continues to deliver with every sequel. Twin movie special categories. Category 16. Which movie has the best destruction of the bad guy's business enterprise? John Wick. Category 17. Which movie has the better death scene of the girl character who gives away the location of the bad guys to the protagonist? So specific. The Equalizer. Category 18. Which movie had the best boss fight in the rain? also the equalizer category 19 which movie has the best use of a hammer in the story
1: man the equalizer went on a hat trick here at the end
0: yeah coming back strong the equalizer all right, beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. Do some calculations there, Michael, and tell me the tally. Do you have any guess? Can you, uh, Guess what the spread is. Guess
1: how many points between the two. It's got to be
0: close. It's got to be like within one point. It is.
1: It's within one point.
0: But to who? I mean, Wick is our favorite, so there's no way I want Wick to lose here.
1: All right, with 10 points, our champion, John Wick.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: I know. That was close. It was really close. That was
0: close. But, you know, Equalizer deserved the nine points that it got.
1: You never know how things are going to shake out. Oh, I'm, I'm always glad to see the movie that I enjoy more win. But, you know, the process of digging into these movies and talking about what's good about even a movie that we don't love, uh, you know, is, is, it's part of the whole point of this for me. We talked about my favorite action films at the top of the episode. We didn't talk about your favorite action films. I just wanted to touch upon that before we wrap things up.
0: My favorite action movie? Uh, pff, aliens? Does aliens count? Yeah, sure. I love aliens. That's probably and T and two. Yeah, those two.
1: T two is hard to beat.
0: Oh, I have one complaint against Equalizer. When he's giving the money to the staff that's walking away, he could dole out a couple more. Couple watts. more?
1: Yeah, two stacks. Yeah. Or yeah,
0: four. I mean, you know, it's all going to the cops anyway. Just empty that barrel.
1: And I, I was also I was laughing the other day. Um, I was watching uh, another recent. Uh, Arrow 4K release of The Wolf of Wall Street, and Rob Reiner plays DiCaprio's dad. He plays the the dad of of, of Jordan Belfort, and you know there's a, a a scene that's played when he's sitting down to to try and watch TV uh, with his wife at night, and the phone rings, and what he's trying to watch is the Equalizer. Is that right? So the phone rings, and he's like, God, <laughs>
0: <it>. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: wait all week
0: for the Equalizer.
1: And uh, yeah, it really cracked me up knowing that we were going to tackle that this week.
0: I hope uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Denzel Washington continue to be in our lives for a long time. We Fuqua. can only hope. And uh, with 10 points for John Wick, beating up 9 points for The Equalizer, twin movies release in 2014. The debate is settled at the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. This is HT with my co host, Michael. I was happy to be here. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to the Hollywood vs. Hollywood podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. And connect with us on Instagram at Hollywood vs. Pod.